Hello, fellow foodies. This is Dr. Cassandra Quave, the host of Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious. On this week's episode, we've got something really sweet in store for you. We're going to get into the science behind maple syrup. And actually, there's a lot of really cool science when it comes to maple syrup. And I found just the perfect guest to lead us through this. Um, Dr. Navendra Siram is professor and chair of the Department of Biomedical and Pharmaceutical Sciences in the College of Pharmacy at the University of Rhode Island. Before this, he was the assistant director of the UCLA Center for Human Nutrition in the Department of Medicine. His research group, the Bioactive Botanical Research Lab, investigates medicinal plants and their derived natural products for preventive and therapeutic effects against chronic human diseases. And one of his specialties just happens to be on maple syrup. So I'm really excited to have you on the show, Navendra. Thank you so much for coming. Jesse, thank you for having me. Great. So why don't we just start with the plant that makes maple syrup. What can you tell us about this tree species? Hey, um, great question, Cassie. If, if you may, I'm just gonna divert a little bit uh, to give, to maybe set the stage for the discussion. So as, as you just sure. mentioned, I, um, I was uh, working at UCLA mm -hmm. uh, almost maybe 13 years ago. Um, and then I moved to the East Coast, West Coast to East Coast to go figure. Uh -huh. um, to, to, to Kingston campus that I'm on right now, the University of Rhode Island is, is in the Kingston campus. Uh, just so people know, we're maybe an hour and a half drive by car to get to Boston Logan's airport or okay. to go south and you can get to JFK maybe in two and a half hours. So perspective. Um, but to answer your question, I was uh, moving jobs. So I was leaving California to move to Rhode Island and being a natural product chemist, much like yourself, Cassie, mm -hmm. I was uh, looking for maybe what's fresh, what's niche, what's what's local to mm -hmm. this area that I could continue doing my studies that I had done uh, in plants. You know, in California, everything grows there, as you know, uh, yeah. berries and and fruits and, and and nuts, tree nuts, and and so when I came here, this was 2007, 2008. Um, I was, you know, what am I going to work on that's going to be important to this region? And that's that's where it was was very apparent that the um, maple species, maple trees, some of them are tapped to produce uh, maple syrup. One mm -hmm. of them, it's most well known as a sugar maple. But for those of you who have never seen the New England fall foliage, I encourage uh. you to, to do that. In part, the uh, beautiful colors that you see in the fall is because of these different maple species. Um, the sugar maple, Acer saccharum, it's it's mm -hmm. Latin name, it's botanical name, is the primary species which is used for tapping to get its sap, which is then boiled to produce maple syrup. That's great. Well, in Acer species, they're in the family, is it Aceraceae? Aceraceae, yeah? yep. Yeah, and so I know that um, in kind of North American traditional medicine, Acer species, um, not just Acer saccharum, but also a number of other species have been really important to traditional medicine. Can you tell us a bit about that? Um, yeah. Yes, ab absolutely. And, and so apart from 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 this foodie, this food product, which um, we, we all know and love, it's, it's a sweetener, uh, the um, species, as you just said, the genus, the genus Acer, 
if you think of the Canadian flag, that's a, a maple leaf on the mm -hmm. flag, ace being pointed. But there are several species of the Acer genus, Acer sacrum being one, uh, Acer nigrum, black maple being another, Acer rubrum, or the red mm -hmm. maple being a third, sycamore maple, uh, silver maple, and so on and so, and so forth. Many of them are endemic to this part of the world. And this part, mm -hmm. I mean the eastern region of North America, uh, being the eastern region of Canada and the United, United States, uh, starting like maybe from Ontario and Quebec, all mm -hmm. the way coming down even to Michigan and Wisconsin and Ohio. Uh, the native people, the indigenous people, there is great evidence that they were using various parts of the plant, for example, its leaves and its twigs and its bark. Uh, they would boil what's called a liver tonic, and then they would drink that uh, for different ailments. Very nice. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful genus and um, so many utilities. I, I'm wondering, before we dive into the chemistry, one thing that's always fascinated me, I grew up in South Florida, so I've never really been around an area where you have the tapping of maple and going from, you know, making the actual maple syrup. Can you explain a little bit about the process? Like, how do you go from this tree yes. to the delicious maple syrup that we enjoy in our fridge? Yes, you're from South Florida. I'm from the Caribbean. I'm, ah, actually, <laughs> <that's right. laughs> I'm from South America from the British colony, uh, British Guyana, which... Uh, uh -huh. It's now Guyana, borders of Venezuela and Brazil. Um, but at any rate, I, I didn't know, you know, I mm -hmm. we've been living in the United States for, for maybe 20 years now. I migrated, um, having done my PhD in Jamaica and then did my postdoc in Michigan and I moved to LA as we just established. But I never knew that pancake syrup is not maple syrup. And I'm, yes, oh. you could shame me, you could shame, yeah, but the, the industry has actually looked at people, there are many people from different parts of the world who would never know that maple syrup is not pancake syrup. So ah, that's that's important to know. It's <laughs> important to know. And yeah, and if you're from this area, you'll see the tapping of trees, which is the processing, as I'll tell you in a little bit. But just to establish that pancake syrup is usually a fructose corn based syrup. That's oh, as, so it's as, corn syrup yes. <laughs> of, a, of a type. OK, OK. okay. Um, Whereas pure maple syrup is a natural product, mm -hmm. um, the maple species which are being tapped, as, as you just said, you know, the sugar maple being the primary one, um, or the red maple is also being tapped, um, during late winter to early spring. Now, it's important for your listeners to understand that these trees are only found here. So they're endemic to this part of the world. And because of that, as well as our unique, I should say unique, temperatures here in the New England area, and of course in Canada, uh, we're at, at uh, in the late winter to early spring, you have these freeze-thaw cycle. And for about three weeks, the window of opportunity sometimes changes year by year. But for this maybe short period of time, uh, sap flows from, you know, it's like the lifeblood of the tree, if you will. It's mm -hmm. moving minerals and nutrients from the soil to the new buds, which will come out in the spring. And this is the first agricultural crop on the East Coast of both Canada and the United States. Wow. So uh, sap is collected. It's about 98% water. So sap is not sticky in this case. It's very watery. Mm. It's collected. 
it's boiled. You have to have the cooking caramelization process of removing um, water and then making that beautiful and flavorful and odor that maple syrup is known for. And so you're really concentrating roughly 40 liters of sap to one liter of syrup to get oh, to wow. 65 or 66% brick sugar content. And sucrose is its major sugar. It's a sweetener. Let's be clear about that. Yeah. But it's a, it's a natural sweetener, you know, obtained entirely from sap of trees, these trees, which is, uh, there are no additives. It's just boiled. Wow. That's, a, that's, a, that's incredible that it's, there's so much volume that gets reduced down. How, do, you, do you have any idea about how much tree a typical produce? I mean, can you get, you know, one liter out of a tree in final product or, or can they produce a lot more than that? A, a lot more. And with good forestry management, which is what the industry uses, um, there are various, uh, you know, institutions like at Vermont, the Proctor Maple Center, who have really studied this over over time, but the, the sugar bush, that's what it's called, uh, mm -hmm. the, the farmers uh, or the producers, they, they would know what circumference that tree has to be. Uh, it's it's a little tiny hole, it doesn't hurt the tree at all. It's, uh, it's It gets into the bark, so it goes, pierces mm -hmm. sapwood, and they know how many, uh, how many sap uh, taps they can have per tree and how much they will collect per year and I think they rest the trees, you know, and then, you know, they go back. So it's all pretty well worked out. I'm more fo focused, as you know, on the biochemical mm -hmm. chemistry aspects of it. But it's uh, my understanding, good forestry management. A tree does produce, you know, volumes of, of sap per year. But then, you know, they know what they have to do. Yeah. Well, let's let's get into the chemistry. So you mentioned sucrose as a natural sweetener found in maple. But all those other flavors that are typical to maple syrup or because of, uh, I'm guessing, a mixture of different secondary metabolites found in the plant. Can you tell us about what's unique about the chemistry of, of maples? Right. So um, what was known before we started doing research almost a decade ago was that uh, maple sap, because that's what's going to be used to get to syrup, contains mm -hmm. minerals. You know, there's potassium and calcium and magnesium. That's obviously going to vary geographically from where the plant is being tapped, as well as um, vitamins is vitamin mm -hmm. B. Uh, there are organic acids. There are uh, phytohormones, abscisic acid, interestingly enough, as well as polyphenols, which, as maybe you're informed, mm -hmm. uh, foodie listener would know are these large uh, chemical class of secondary metabolites, which are very abundant and ubiquitous among plant foods, colorful fruit and vegetables. And indeed, in, in maple sap, you have a variety of polyphenols, many of them which are going to be preserved in the boiling and cooking process, as well as you're probably creating also, we establish flavor type compounds, but creating I'll tell you a little bit more about that later if you ask the right question. <laughs> Keep recall, creating some uh, unnatural, natural, natural, unnatural polyphenols, which are, as you can imagine, you're really boiling. You have yeah. minerals there. So it's, you're doing some good chemistry, actually. Oh, that's great. And do these, do these polyphenols have any specific um, medicinal or pharmacological properties? Yes, they do. So in our work, and I would... Uh, direct your 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 listeners um, 
to maybe if they want to find out more, check mm -hmm. out our URI's uh, website, uh, URI Maple, if you were to Google that. Um, but there we have a lot of papers that we've published um, on, on maple sap and sugar and syrup chemistry. Uh, well, what was it's it's important again for reader uh, listeners to know that this listen this is a sweetener and um, mm. I'm no proponent of asking anyone to consume more sweetener, but for people to know that if you're choosing a natural sweetener, this is a natural sweetener. There are no additives. Um, what we found out is again as I just said, um, other healthy plant foods are known to have polyphenols. Mm -hmm. For example, you know tea and and red wine and coffee and colorful fruits and vegetables. We found that maple syrup, not a lot, it doesn't have a lot in terms of quantities, mm -hmm. but it has a very diverse group of polyphenols, which you find in several other healthy plant foods, like I just named. And it has a little bit of, um, you know, the compounds you'll find in tea, a little bit of the compounds you'll find like in, in, in red wine, resveratrol type, mm -hmm. uh, compounds you'll find like in berries, and a lot of lignans which you'll find like in flax and um, flaxseed uh, in in the sap that then persist and are found in in syrup as li literature has well established many of these subclasses of polyphenols have potential health beneficial effects and by extension we did the same in trying to understand the pharmacological effects of the sweetener because you know we believe and or we have data to support that it's just not sucrose alone that the whole matrix of the food, which in total uh, contains my vitamins and minerals and phytohormones and a lot of yeah. different types of polyphenols would be better than refined sugar alone. That's great. So getting into the the science or the the really the laboratory exploration of maple syrup, I'm just wondering how do you work on samples that are so rich in sugars? Do you need to remove the sugars in some kind of chemistry step before do you yeah. use mass spectrometry or what types of yeah. tools do you use to explore the the chemical makeup of of maple yeah. syrup yeah all of the above um you know when my first postdoc her name um she's now a professor in china she went back mm -hmm. to china her name is Lia Li. you know i i, I you know we had like uh, dozens of liters of maple syrup <laughs> you can imagine <laughs> my lab is always smelling good and, it, and it's sticky <laughs> um but you're you're right. So it's um, it's sugar, and if you want to really get down to the nuts and bolts, if you will, mm -hmm. or to you know that can of worms, the actual polyphenols, then you have to remove sugar. So if you have something that's almost all <laughs> sugar, you know, like six seven six seven percent, six five percent to six seven percent sugar, then exactly that's what we did. You know, we remove sugar by using different resins. Um, mm -hmm. columns like XAD16 resin, or we'll do, you know, solvent partitioning with butanol, mm -hmm. um, ethyl acetate, and then we get onto the real organic portion, which we then, you know, all of the work that we did uh, compared to some of the previous work, we actually isolated and identified by NMR all of the 60 molecules which we have Id identified so far from maple. So Wow, you said 60, 60. 60 plus, yeah, 60 wow. and That's counting. Amazing. Wow. And, and now that we have the standards based from our structure mm -hmm. elucidation by NMR, now we can use mass spec to actually, you know, do it faster. But yes, all of the above. But listen, I've had a lot of postdocs. Leah is just one of them that, that spent a lot of time, you know, getting, 
you know, very tiny quantities of these natural products. Many of them are new, over, I think, 15 or 20 wow. of them are new in, in, in the 60 that we have identified. That's great. So you've, you're doing this amazing chemistry work to really deconstruct all the different elements to this complex mixture of compounds. What are the next steps after you have the compounds identified? Are you doing any types of pharmacological assays on them? And how does that link back to human consumption? Yes. So what we did is now that we know the structures um, of these polyphenols by extension, uh, from what's been reported for this class in terms of their ability to maybe um, you know work against inflammation. So we set up a series of bioassays. Many of them are biochemical based in vitro, either cell based or enzyme based. And we did a series of of studies to try to understand, of course, the extract, which is now sugar reduced, but polyphenol enriched, understand its potential health beneficial properties. And then we were funded by the United States Department of Agriculture, the USDA, uh, through its NIFA, uh, you know, grant to kind of understand the extracts uh, properties in an animal studies. So we have done animal oh, wow. studies uh, with metabolic syndrome, with this uh, MSX, M MSX maple syrup extract, which is, which is polyphenol enriched. Um, cool. So, yeah, so we have cell work, enzyme-based work, and animal data to support the potential health beneficial properties of the food uh, compared to like sucrose alone refined mm -hmm. sugar. That's great. So out of all these studies, is there one in particular that really stands out to you is like really exciting or is there, what do you have on the horizon also for, for your yeah. next steps? So what we did, we took an approach, you know, like we we're targeting inflammation because mm -hmm. we know that inflammation is centrally linked to many other different types of diseases like metabolic syndrome, diabetes, certain neurodegenerative type of diseases. So if if we could impact inflammation, then we'd by you know downstream uh, impact several diseases. So we really targeted inflammatory pathways. Mm -hmm. um, and, and by looking at that, then we extended our work to, to look at different models. So we have published now in the field of, in the area of, of um, Alzheimer's disease, okay. an animal model with the extract, uh, mm -hmm. animal model, not no human studies, uh, I, sh I should clarify as well as, again, as I mentioned, metabolic syndrome and a lot of cell culture work with cancer cells and mm -hmm. carbohydrate hydrolyzing enzymes, um, tons of stuff. That's great. That's really exciting. Yeah, I think that when it comes to the foods that we eat and keeping a healthy diet, I think the topic of inflammation is one that's so important to health maintenance and um, right. ensuring that you have an anti-inflammatory diet is key to health. Yeah. Um, and, and for us, you know, it's, you know, again, you know, we have this dilemma of, you know, how do you study a sweetener and, mm -hmm. you know, I won't say quote unquote, promote its uh, health beneficial properties when it's a sugar. And and so our, our communication of our research has been very simple. Um, it's a, it's a sugar first and foremost. Mm -hmm. If you're not a sugar user, don't use this. Um, we want you to drizzle not guzzle if you're <laughs> I like that drizzle not guzzle that's good advice right. don't do shots with this and all you know um but the, the messaging was was very clear and very simple like um you know I'm a dad I have I have kids and and if they're gonna have uh syrup on their pancakes or or waffles or or we sweeten something or a coffee or tea or whatever making a cocktail whatever it is 
then you know we wanted people to know that listen this is a natural sweetener it has these constituents which could possibly uh, be beneficial versus you know an artificial sweetener or, or a corn-based syrup sweetener something like that it's great well, I know that beyond your your basic science research on maple, you're also very interested in nutraceuticals and cosmeceuticals. What what can you tell us about those? And maybe maybe even start with defining what a nutraceutical is and what is a cosmeceutical. Right. Well, a pseudical, as people know, is pharmaceutical. So that mm-hmm. brings that pseudics into it, a pharmacology. And just like ph- phytopharmaceuticals or plant drugs, mm-hmm. nutraceuticals are these botanical extracts many times that are consumed um, and sometimes orally like a, a dietary supplement um, that would potentially give you a health benefit that goes beyond basic nutrition. Cranberry is a good example of cranberry extracts, which recently actually got the FDA, uh, you know, a qualified health claim to, to, to say, you know, with some limited evidence that it could potentially cranberry extracts or cranberry products potentially help against urinary tract infection okay. and prevention. Mm-hmm. But yes, yeah, so those, those are nutraceuticals. And then cosmeceuticals, again, would be, you know, those, again, botanicals, which are used for skin health. Cassie, you know that very well. Uh, and nutri-cosmetics is another term, you know, inner, ah. beauty, inner beauty, outer beauty. Uh, so, yes, yeah, so we, to, to get back to your question, that's what there are. And, and we were, again, you know, I, I moved to the East Coast, you know, I'm for the first time faced with uh, having to remove leaves in the fall <laughs> from my yard. And predominantly, you know, we have maple leaves and, and oak leaves, but uh, it, it dawned on us that, listen, if the native people, the indigenous people were using parts of the plant for medicines, um, mm-hmm. you know, you, you, you're the ethnomedicine expert here, but what can we do with this byproduct, you know, that's really sitting here in the New England area and rather than rotting on the ground as mulch, can we utilize it uh, mm. to maybe understand its chemistry and boy we we went to town you know we went gung-ho on this we actually we know more about maple chemistry phytochemistry of the different species at least in this new england area uh than any other group in the world and we have published we know exactly what's in the red maple plant parts versus a sugar maple versus a sycamore maple and then understanding based on their chemistry potentially how they can be utilized um, for cosmetics. Oh, very cool. And developing and working that area. Yeah, it's been pretty cool. So you're, so are you actually, you're, you're using the leaf litter or are you harvesting fresh leaves or how are, how are you doing these studies? Both, you know, we don't mm-hmm. want to promote, you know, chopping down any trees or taking off their leaves mm-hmm. when it's so important for them. But yes, using the fall leaves, or you can imagine pruning of the trees or chopping down trees, which they do mm-hmm. happens in New York state, for example, but yeah, extracting the twigs and the leaves, fall leaves and green leaves and understanding what the chemistry are. And we found just like tea leaves, tea, Camellia sinensis is a beverage um, and has been consumed for centuries. You know, polyphenols found in tea are these catechin type compounds. We actually found, um, and, and this is very interesting for your chemistry geeks who are listening in on, on this. Uh, typically, many gallotannins will have like a, a gall oil group with some a glucose core. Uh, only certain species of Acer, only certain maple species in the entire plant kingdom produce these glucetol core containing gallotannins, um, which, which we 
we uh, we identified isolated and identified. We named them meplexins and oh, and cool. <laughs> we call it GCGs, loose cell core containing gallotannins, and done, done tons of work to understand their effects on skin health and. Or so are, as galatanins, are they astringent to the skin or how are you thinking of using them? Yes, that, that's a great question. Um, we haven't done any human clinical studies as yet, uh, but um, in all of the work we have done with enzymes, uh, we've looked at skin, skin toning or, mm -hmm. or skin inflammation. And our thoughts were, how can we take this extract and then maybe formulate it? Uh, either in a cream-based or you know water-based, or uh, that try to understand its its effects on um, uh, again you know for skin toning or maybe for inflammation, skin inflammation, skin protection. Uh, we haven't done any studies as yet in terms of human clinical trials, but we're mm -hmm. moving along that pathway to kind of understand um, what dosing we would have to use, uh, etc. Yeah. Product. Yeah. Well, I love I love this concept of really trying to capture the different names of you know of productivity from plants i think that's that's so smart i i know they've done things like this for example in the pomegranate industry where you can have you know the juice is obviously taken from the fruits but then they're also using other parts of of the the rind or the other parts of the fruit to to make other products and um it's good so you have less waste and more more uh more utility over the it's the biomass yeah. Exactly. Um, I actually did a lot of work with pomegranate. I don't know if you can oh. see, mm -hmm. see a book on my, uh, for those of you who are actually looking at the YouTube video, um, I co-edited a book when I was at UCLA with uh, my then, wor was working with David Heber from UCLA Center for Human Nutrition, uh, along with Risa Schulman on pomegranates. But you are right. Um, when you have a food product which is being squeezed like pomegranate, you have the juice. Mm -hmm. Now you have this, uh, the, the peel and the seeds that left over, like grape seed extract is a good example too. Mm -hmm. How can you utilize, you know, the what's left over, as well as um, other parts of the plant? Now, it's important here that I just please, if you could indulge me for a little bit. There is a very dark grade of maple syrup, or dark grades of maple syrup, which are never uh, consumed because they are not palatable. Mm. They're they're off flavored, and this very dark grade is a byproduct or a waste product of industry. So we actually did some work apart from using stuff like the leaves and so on, taking this very dark off flavored grade of syrup and then removing sugar and then developing this MSX, as I said, to advance okay. it as a nutraceutical. So how can we get all the bioactives from syrup without sugar um, to deliver it potentially in a capsule? That's great. Too. And so tell us, so you've mentioned MSX a couple of times. This is, this product, is this something you've developed out of your lab? Is this now, is this part of the dietary supplement chain? Yeah. Or what can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's something that's been developed in, um, in, in at, at the University of Rhode Island Labs um, in collaboration with um, the Federation of Quebec Maple Syrup Producers who cool. funded some of the early research. Um, and there have been several intellectual property invention disclosures filed on not only the, the, the cosmetic applications of the leaves, uh, but also on this MSX. And, and the hope, the intent is to then advance it. It's going to take some time. Of course, we have done animal toxicity studies, but still how to, mm -hmm. how to advance this to be a dietary supplement is going to take uh, time and money, as you know, um, yeah. to, get, to get it generally regarded as safe understanding its uh, its dosing, 
understanding its production and, and scaling it up. So yes, we are, we are on that pathway, Cassie. That's exciting. Very cool. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot of different um, angles of the maple, the, the maple tree that you're looking at from syrup to the parts and the chemistry, pharmacology. That's really exciting. Yeah. yeah and you know, as, as you know, the basic underpinnings of botanical medicines is, the, the, you know, the, the whole is greater than the sum of its parts. <laughs> we're, we're really taking a holistic view of the of the maple tree in its entirety and say, you know, apart from sap, which can be a functional beverage like maple water is, mm-hmm. um, or maple syrup being a food, how can we develop, you know, an extract like MSX for nutraceutical or using the parts of the plants for, for cosmetic applications. So nothing should go to waste. That's great. Well, and and on this idea of holistic kind of uh, holism of, 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 of how plant natural products work, can you tell us a bit about how synergy between compounds kind of plays into this story as well? Yes. And, and Cassie, if I can, uh, you know, you've, you've just, uh, you know, published your plus one <laughs> paper uh, looking at, you know, the, the, the index to kind of understand synergy where one plus one equals to three. And indeed, you know, we find the same thing where you may have one bioactive constituent, which is really mm-hmm. great. Uh, but certainly, you know, the, the sum, uh, the potentiation of that activity of that major one is better when you put everything together in an extract form. Mm-hmm. And we have compared, you know, we've gone one by one and one, you know, to compare, is this better than the extract alone? And it's always better for us, at least in some of the assets we've seen, um, because, you know, we are doing drug discovery here. We are actually trying to develop an extract that could then be either a nutraceutical or something that could be a cosmetic, but the totality of the constituents, not one compound alone to be advanced, yeah. um, like the pharmaceutical industry would, would do. That's great. Yeah, I I think synergy is one of those great puzzles of, of natural products that it's, it's uh, there's just so much to learn still into how these different molecules you know, integrate. And as you mentioned too, in addition to secondary metabolites and the sugars, you also have a lot of minerals in your composition that could be Correct. playing a role. That's yes. great. And, right. and vitamins, yes, and minerals and vitamins. So, you know, yeah. in totality, I think the whole food or the whole extract um, for us, that's been our approach. Although we have done some work to um, to get back to that chemical story I was mentioning at the start, where, you know, we've, we've identified again, it is um, non-natural, natural products um, which are created during cooking, uh, as you know, you have minerals and you're boiling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You're boiling this. Of course, you're going to degrade and maybe, uh, maybe have things happen that you're creating new molecules. And chemical is very interesting if you look at the structure. Um, it has uh, a very striking similarities to, to tamoxifen, which is that uh. you know, breast cancer drug. Um, so we actually isolated chemical in very tiny quantities and have done our group, as well as other groups at the University of Laval to, to find Metchem synthetic roots to actually synthesize it, to get it in sufficient quantities, which we can then study. Um, and I think it's important for, for pharmacognosy uh, students, pharmacognosists, or mm-hmm. natural product chemists to think, you know, listen, drug discovery happens for sure from natural products. And if this is a food which could give us a compound, which could then be a lead to be developed into something else to be modified, then why not, right? Yeah, no, absolutely. I like to think of it as looking for nature's blueprints that you can start building off of. There you That's go. great. That's there great. 
Well, thank you so much for coming on the show. Who knew that there was so much cool science behind maple syrup? This is really fascinating, and I can't wait to read more of your work um, on this subject. And, and best of luck with your nutraceutical and cosmeceutical projects. Those sound really exciting. Thank you, Cassie. Appreciate it. Great. You've been listening to Foodie Pharmacology, the science podcast for the food curious, recorded on Skype remotely during the COVID-19 isolation period. You can find all of our episodes on our website at foodiepharmacology.com or on Apple Podcasts. You can also see the video for this episode, plus others at the Teach Ethnobotany YouTube channel. Thanks so much for listening. Stay healthy out there and we'll see you next time.